Welcome back, everybody, to the Self Storage Income Podcast. We have another incredible episode lined up for you today. But before we get into that, huge shout out to all of our amazing sponsors Janice International, Store Local, Live Oak Bank, and Tenant Inc. Be sure to check out the links in the show notes. You guys probably hear us talking about these guys on the podcast all the time. Janice International, tons of amazing people, tons of amazing products, services, their Noki service, their R3 program, all these different aspects to help you build an amazing storage facility or upgrade your storage facility. Uh, just a fantastic group. Store local. It's honestly one of the biggest threats to self-storage is, is market consolidation and everything that goes along with that. So enter Store Local, the largest storage co-op in the world. Just amazing people again, tons of tons of awesome people there and uh, amazing solutions to bring everybody's resources together and uh, utilize those in an effective way to be able to compete and also uh, thrive in a world of competition with some of these larger REITs and the big players in the self-storage industry. Check out Store Local. Amazing, amazing opportunities there. Live Oak Bank. I don't know how many of you guys came to our live event in Coeur d'Alene just this past year, but uh, we had some amazing conversations with Live Oak Bank there, and they were probably one of the most popular uh, <laughs> topics there in our, our breakout sessions. And and people want to know. They, they want to know the financing. You guys want to know what the solutions are, what the deals look like, all these different aspects to financing. Live Oak Bank is that answer specifically for self-storage. They specialize in storage, which is just incredible. There's no learning curve for them to understand the asset. They know it. They've been there before. And they can help you see things that you might not even be seeing yourself. So Live Oak Bank, amazing. Check the link in the show notes. And last but not least, Tenant Inc., Tenant Inc. is an incredible slew of products and services, essentially, for your storage facilities to help automate, to help streamline, to help optimize your business and your storage facility. They've got uh, their Hummingbird platform, Nectar platform, uh, their Mariposa platform. Just to scrape the surface here, their, their property software, the big thing about this is the API is open. So you guys can actually, you, you own your data, you can use other third parties and back that into your systems. It's not this closed system that, that only uses proprietary X, Y, and Z. You guys have total control over your data, total control over these various aspects of running your business, uh, running your storage facility. And uh, they just got some amazing products. Again, these are storage owner operators that have created and developed these solutions. And uh, it, it's just an amazing platform. So check it out. Without further ado, guys, here's the episode. Looking to create wealth and income through high cash flowing real estate? Self storage is the fastest growing and the newest real estate asset that has outperformed all others. What's its secret? I'm AJ Osborne, and with over a million square feet that we have built, acquired, expanded, and even converted big box stores from small third tier markets to large hundred plus thousand square foot facilities, we have seen it all. This is the podcast that we're going to discuss and bring on the best investors and operators in the nation to show you how to create wealth and income with self-storage. Welcome to Self-Storage Income. Welcome, everybody, to Self-Storage Income. And today, we're diving into revenue management, specifically things like dynamic pricing on your own when you're just getting started and some hacks and some things that you can do to accomplish the same thing that the REITs are trying to do and get at 
um, with just yourself. Yeah, really looking forward to this episode, man. It's going to be uh, going to be a good one. It's super important. It's one of these major aspects of of the value add strategy, being able to go into an existing facility, increase rates and, and manage those rates and, and really get the most out of that asset, just really extract that value. And uh, it's super, super important. And uh, there's absolutely ways to do that in a manual way. Uh, there's there's softwares and different ways um, to, to do this and accomplish this. But yeah, we're going to dive into it and kind of talk about this a little bit. Yeah, it, you know, this is a really uh, important piece of the management. It's a really important hands-on piece as well that, um, generally speaking, is the value that you can find there because it's not being done. So let me kind of start out with what we generally see. I think this is probably a good idea. Generally see we have static rate management and... When you look at static rate management, all that's being done is that you have a door or you have a size and that size has a price attached to it. So yeah, I guess it's a good idea. We should probably define what dynamic pricing is since it's not generally yeah. applied. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> a really good yeah. idea. So what oh. we're talking about here is we have static pricing and dynamic pricing. Um, dynamic pricing is things that we see more like in airlines. If you're sitting on an airline, everybody has their own price, right? So everybody on that plane, they're all going the same place. They all have basically the same seats. They're all same time, everything else. And everybody on that plane paid a different price for the seat. And it's how airlines maximize their average price per chair. And it's how they get them up there. And static pricing is just like, okay, um, all our 10 by 10s are whatever, a hundred bucks. So anybody that comes in that gets a 10 by 10 pays a hundred bucks, right? Um, what we generally find is that people that are not doing a good job at managing their facility have static pricing. And along with static pricing, what they've done is they've implemented discounts for people to get into it. Um, and they never up rates. So you have a big disconnect with uh, overall occupancy and economic occupancy. And it's kind of important too. I want to make just a side note on this is um, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking like, well, if somebody could get those rates for their facility, like why wouldn't they? And why would they sell? And it's like, you I know, get these that. Are I got that great. at the meeting the other night. It's so funny. <laughs> I get this a lot. People yeah. are like, it's something that I had a question too. It was like, well, but AJ, you're, you talk about this stuff everywhere. So anybody has access to this information. Why aren't they doing it? <laughs> it's a great question. And I'm like, I agree. Why yeah. aren't they doing it? Yeah. And traditionally what we find is that that's honestly, I don't know how else to say it except lack of a desire. Meaning, mm -hmm. I bought it, it's cash flowing. I'm trying to, this is how they view profitability. I am lowering the amount of time spent and the amount of resources into it, therefore increasing my margin, right? That's a very different approach than we take. We increase the amount of time spent and resources into it and therefore increase revenue. Um, but for a huge, portion of mom and pop operators it's like i just don't want to do anything with it that's mm -hmm. the goal yeah it's like just not touch it not do anything with it they brag about you know having 100 percent occupancy and uh, you ask them when's the last time i mean i don't know how many facilities we bought last year that it had to be a huge chunk 
never rose prices ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since the eight years that they had built the thing, yeah. they'd well, never risen prices. And when I was having that conversation last week with an individual, that, that was this, one of those examples of one of the acquisitions we had just this past year where, I mean, we sat with the owners and talked about a, a facility just down the road that was 50% higher rates than they were for those same unit types. And they had no idea. No clue. Um, and it's just it's just the way the way like things across are. Across the street. And, yeah. And they had no clue. Comes down to that that idea of something being passive, which is kind of a um a fantastical buzzword, I think, that a lot of people mm-hmm. like to use. Yep. Nothing I don't believe should be passive. I think you should be actively engaged in managing your assets in one way or another. Um the asset is passive, so is the revenue. <laughs> it's not doing <laughs> yeah, anything. Exactly. Like you want something dynamic. You want something you have control over, um, and you want that to grow and to scale. And um, no, it is interesting. And people obviously they have who knows. I mean, they all have different motivations for why they do or don't do something, why they're selling, um, and really all of it comes down to just we find and identify that value. We go in and, and we're adding this spread and obviously dynamic pricing. One of these huge aspects that uh, a lot of current storage owner operators that are, you know, mom and pops aren't using or implementing. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, honestly, I'd say the vast majority aren't. It's not even that some of them aren't. Mm -hmm. When you leave out of big first tier markets, it's the bulk. The majority of the assets aren't doing anything like it. They are very much real estate people. They don't look at it like a business. I'm just trying to lease it up. Um, I got into it because there was no toilets and it was easy. Um, and so when you look at this, essentially, once again, when we're talking about overall dynamic pricing, what we mean by that is that these people don't change prices. They don't do anything with it. Now, some people will do it. Okay. I'll raise my, um, prices once a year, but what they do is I still look at it as static, meaning that all the units are the same. So all units on a 10 by 10 are $100, right? Now, what happens is lots of times they raise prices, but all they do is raise the street rate. So they're not raising the existing rate. This creates this economic occupancy problem. So we'll see facilities that are, you know, whatever, 100% full, but economic occupancy is 50%, meaning that they're 100% full, the units are filled, People are renting them, but the rent for those units, let's say if all of them, once again, just keeping the simple are a hundred dollars, they're 50% under that, meaning their average rate is $50. Okay. And, um, we see this a lot that there is a big disparity between economic occupancy and real occupancy and uh, dynamic pricing, how we look at it is as a lot of you guys know, I view a unit as a product, okay? We're in a market, we're doing product market placement. Every unit has its own demand based upon time and lots of things. So demand is built up of two sides that you have to hit on to really understand this. The two sides is the markets it's in and the individual facility. Okay. These two things don't always align and I'll, and I'll talk about this. So when we look at the overall market, let's say that the overall market, just to keep things simple, it's everything's full. Okay. Everything's full. Prices are raising. Then you have this individual asset and everything's full within the asset. 
Now you have different unit sizes, right? Now the unit sizes are categorized and priced all the same. Five by fives, 10 by tens, 10 by twenties, RV parking. Okay. This is typically how we see mom and pop operators do it. If they rise prices, they rise their street rate, meaning that you've had some people in there that have been there for four years and they're paying 50 bucks for a unit that's 150, right? You have others that had just come in and they're paying 150, but that's less than 10%. Then you have a range of in-between, okay? So one of the first things you can do when you buy these is just simply get economic occupancy up to match physical occupancy, bringing prices up. But what we also find that is units, individual size units, have different demands within the market. Some products and some markets sell better, right? So five by fives, right? And let's say 10 by 20s in the market have probably very different market fundamentals. We find in Western markets that 10 by 20s do very, very good and five by fives don't. So what you may have is five by fives are severely discounted to get to that 100%, okay? And then 10 by 10s have astronomical demand and they're just kind of putting along like average. Well, that doesn't make sense. So you're taking those units and basically saying we have occupancy, they're all the same. What we generally find then is that the 10 by 10 units, you should be way more aggressive in raising rents because it's much, much higher. The five by fives, you're going to want to find the equilibrium of how aggressive you can get before you leave X, lose X percentage of occupancy. Meaning it doesn't mean you should have hundred percent occupancy in five by fives, right? So you may be able to double the cost of the five by fives and you'll lose 20% occupancy. So your gross revenue doubled on that unit size and you lost 20%. You're up a ton on that unit. Yeah, it's not too shabby. And that revenue, and now you have product to sell. And so now you can up your street rate and get people in there to it, right? So this is line item, more dynamic pricing or dynamic pricing based upon size. Now you take this a step further, okay? So now we look at 10 by 10s or 10 by 20s, excuse me. Let's say that out of the 10 by 20s, you have a hundred of those units. I'm trying to keep things simple. They go for a hundred dollars, right? Now the operator is bragging about how they've always been full, right? So at what point in a market that is craving that size unit, right? Do you say that we have a problem with the supply demand in our pricing. This is classic economics, right? We look at price elasticity and overall demand. In this 10 by 20 scenario, it is uh, very inelastic, meaning that demand is so much, it's very insensitive to raising prices. Your five by fives were the opposite. They were more sensitive. So at the end of the day, you say, uh, this 10 by 20 is $100, but if I have a new one opening up, I could sell it at $200 and there's nothing in the market. So if there's nothing in the market and I have a hundred people trying to buy 10, 10 by twenties, well, what percentage of those people are willing to pay double the market average because they have no option. Mm -hmm. And this is the crux of it, everybody. So all of a sudden you say, if we rose our prices to new people coming in to $200, and then we started looking at our 10 by twenties 
And we got all the people that were at $50, not $100 because of that economic. You rose them, right? And then let's say you had 5% of your people leave because you did a dramatic raise or even 10%. And then you filled up immediately that 10% with $200. Now, that 10% at $200 just rose your average one of $100 to whatever, $120, right? Does that make sense? So now what you've done is you've closed up that gap. You've increased inventory to sell at a much higher price. Now you have existing ones that went to what they should have been at $100. New people are coming in at $200 and you're still full. Well, now you know that somewhere between $100 and $200, right, there's going to be this point. And in reality, it's probably more like $150 that you could raise till you have a problem where people won't move in because Mm -hmm. there's so much demand. So- all of a sudden, you can get really aggressive new, and say, I'm going to raise it to 150 and every person that leaves, thank goodness you left because I know that I can fill it up with somebody at 200 Now, all of a sudden, your average rate, because you raise it to 150 you have 20% leave, 10% more took it at $200. Now, I have 20% at $200. I have 10% vacancy. And then the rest is on 150%, okay? You see this price game I'm playing with, and it's going up as you find elasticity, filling up at higher rates and new rates. And this is what we find, that we can get massive increase in gross revenue. Now, that's that one product size. Let's go back to the five by fives. The five by fives may be a lot less. Okay, I can get prices up. I can get rid of that economic occupancy problem, but I can't push the rates. I can't do anything with it. So let's say that the five by fives right? Are a 20% of the total sizes that you have in the facility. Okay. Well, that 20% is not going to have a lot of demand. You can't maximize it, but the other, the 10 by twenties, which are another 20% has high, and we can really maximize it. You're getting this blended average as you're moving all these rates around that your average price per square foot starts to go really, really high. And this is the key. Not all demand is straightforward across unit or individual size. So when you look at um, the marketplace, if there's really, really, really high demand in the marketplace, um, you need inventory to sell at that high demand. You need to get inventory out and you need to make sure your pricing isn't so disaligned. Now, when you're building units, this is when you look at it, if you built or expanded 100 units and they're 10 by 20s, well, when you first open up, you have 100 units hitting the market, right? Your the the value of those units on the market it gets higher as you go. So, we talk about the market demand and then the facility demand. Well, right now we have a lot of vacancy, so you price that 10 by 20s at $100 to try to get people in. But then as it goes up, let's say all of a sudden you get 50 people out, take the 100 units, you're like, "Holy cow." We did that in a month. We got to up it. So then you go to 150 bucks. Then you have another, you know, immediately 25% more. You're at 75% at 150. You're like, take it up again. And now we're at 100, at 200 bucks. So your individual, what, what it shows though, is that the facility demand rises as you fill up. This is what we're, what I'm talking about. What we're explaining is dynamic pricing. You need to be changing your units pricing structure based upon what's happening at your facility and what's happening in the market. And you need to be maximizing where you can. And that needs to be changing. The next level we go on is every unit is its own supply and demand, its own product. It gets its own rent increase, meaning 
every six to nine months, someone that signed up is going to get a rent increase from six to 12% in every one of our facilities. So take this now, you bought it and you're doing all these things five years down the road. All the different units are now different prices. Individuals are on their own rate increases. You're giving rate increases depending on how much occupancy you have and how aggressive you can get with those individual units. And every month we have renters coming up on that six to nine month period getting rate increases. Every month our rental revenue is rising. Every month we're getting rate increases. It's not total across the board. What this allows you to do then is when you first take that facility over and you have to get that mismatch of economic occupancy up, it's a shock. So you have a, you have all these 10 by 20s and you got to raise the price from 100 to $200. It's a shock to their system, right? Well, once you get doing more individual-based and dynamic pricing, it's no longer a shock to the system because it doesn't hit everybody at once. So this lowers your overall impact of raising rates. And what we find is that tenants are trained. So when we buy a facility that's never had a rental rate increase and we give one rental rate increase, everybody loses their mind, right? They start calling <laughs> up and emailing, how could you do this to me? Now, take a facility that everybody gets a rental rate increase every six to nine months. So they're getting rate increases, not just every year, mm -hmm. but on average, every year and a half, they get a, uh, uh, they're getting like two rental rate increases. They never complain. Why? because they know the game, they know the system. So when you take over a facility, there's this general shock to managing rates. Now it, now you're saying, okay, AJ, how do we do this? All right, so what you do is you need to outline and take your property management sheet, uh, or your property management system and a spreadsheet, look at every single unit type that you have, look at the difference between actual occupancy, economic occupancy, start to look at your street rates, and the demand in the market and the demand in your facility, those individual facilities, in the facilities. First, try to close up economic and physical occupancy together. Second, find high demand units and start rising to see where there's a price point problem because you need inventory to sell. So get those rates moving up. Identify rates that have very low demand and that maybe you should either be doing um, specials to get somebody in because once we, we know when somebody gets in, they don't, uh, generally they stay a lot longer than they plan. So that means you can bring them in and then put on a rent, uh, rental rate increase. So the ones that have uh low demand, try to get them in, try to get, fill them up with specials and then look at all your units on, on a map. Okay. So look at your facility and look at all your units on a map, find out which ones are in the best locations right? So which ones have a corner? Which one are at the front of the facility? Which ones have easy access, easy exit? Then you're identifying units that have preferred location. Well, those should go at premiums. So maybe that's 10% and that needs to be 10, 15% higher than the rest of the rates. And what you're doing is you're segmenting all of those units into individual products and trying to make sure that you're maximizing the price. Put it on a spreadsheet. Um, I look at a map combined with overall rental rate uh, increase history, and then line up your street rates, those new rates for new people to come in, which once again, if you have very low vacancy, those street rates to come in should be really high. So if I have 5% vacancy, which equals to be 10 units in this facility, 
then those 10 units should be like double the rest of all the prices because out of everyone that comes in, out of every 10 people that come in, I want nine of them to say, no, that's too much and just get one of them because I only have 10. Mm -hmm. So that should be really pushing that, right? Um, And then you monitor it on a spreadsheet and you adjust it every month based upon in um, uh, vacancy, uh, new rental rates hitting, people moving in, moving out, and uh, new inventory in the market, and what's happening in the marketplace. So it doesn't need to be done day by day, but you should be doing it month by month. Seasonality. So when you have busy season, those prices should all hit really, really high. Spring, prices should be super, super high. Fall, going into winter, you start to do move-in specials. But Remember, when I go into spring, we want vacancy. Like, we need it. If we went into spring and we were at 95% occupancy, we got to be raising rates so fast that we're kicking people out. Because movement is money in a storage facility. You want move-ins, move-outs happening to maximize prices. Or you are going to have... um basically tag-alongs at low prices that have no incentive to move because they're getting a price that's not even equivalent to the rest of the market. Lots of times what I find with the mom and pops is we can up prices just to get to the market and you'll have nobody move out because where are they going to go? Mm-hmm. There's nowhere to go. That's They're so far point. under the market. Yeah, I'm glad you said that and brought that up because that is something that we see a lot. And again, it's, it's very, again, like the same facility that we bought that was 50% under market rates. I mean, where are they going to take that RV? Where are you going to take yeah. that? I mean- there's, there's no other option. There's no options. Um, and honestly, I mean, I know you've kind of said this before, but they should almost feel grateful that they've been yes, able to just stay exactly. there that long, you know, like, well, okay, yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, for that's not what having... we say. <laughs> I haven't got a rental rate yeah. increase in 10 years. Well, you're welcome. Yeah, Congratulations. You feel lucky, Take dude. all that money you saved, yeah. pocket it, and be grateful you had that opportunity. Yeah, yeah, but no more. <laughs> yes, but no more. Uh, you yeah. don't get a free ride. Yeah, exactly. You don't get a drift. And it's... then the next side of this is you just... You, you, you mirror that and place that with a good marketing strategy to make sure you're bringing in those highest um, paying tenants mm. and fusing these things, these two things together, these two things together. Um, it's a game changer for self-storage. It, I mean, it's crazy how much yield we can extract just on the revenue management side. Just now, in such a short amount of time. Too. So short you amount know, of know, I mean, we're not talking a, a huge amount of, uh, you know, all these years spent doing this stuff. We're talking weeks, months that these things are being executed. And um, the almost immediate value increase that you can have on a facility by implementing these simple management strategies and tactics to uh, increase that value. And again, this is all stuff that you have direct control over. You're not worried, you're not talking appreciation you're talking macro elements you're talking about this micro elements you what you have control over and uh it's just such an amazing topic and we had uh we had fraser our good friend fraser on a little bit ago and we talked a lot about this too where i mean it's almost a case study for him where it's like he's almost not even looking at the market to see where the ceiling is he's just saying hey i've got these units available or whatever and i'm going to charge whatever price I can possibly get for them. If they fill up, great. If they don't, okay, I might lower the price or whatever. Bingo. You but can always lower it. Pushing the pushing the boundaries as much as possible because why not? Like- and that's and that's what we find actually <laughs> is the big thing today. Yeah. Some people can't identify the market top mm-hmm. because they haven't seen it. So all of a sudden, Such 10 a by point. 20s, it's yeah. like, wait a second, I am the market top and I have no vacancy. 
and I have people every day trying to get 10 by 20s. Well, then what I show you, what, what I look at and what I think, and like we uh, kind of showed you as an example, that means you're still not in line with the market. You may be in line with competition, but not the market because the market demand has risen past where you are and you're not aligning with it. So then it becomes like we talked about with Fraser is, okay, how high can you push the rent? And what we like to do and what we like to uh, do, be aggressive, first of all, we need vacancy. We don't ever want to be in a position where we don't have vacancy. And we actually got in a spot with a few facilities where we had no vacancy. And we're just like, oh, man, we're always the ones saying, don't do this, don't do this. And now we have several facilities that don't have units. Um, so we need to get really, really aggressive. We want people to move out. Um, because when you have that much demand, you can really push the price on new people coming in. That sets the stage for you setting new street rates, your new price level is higher, and now you have economic occupancy disparity again, and you can close that gap. You see how this is just a moving thing that just moves up and up and up. And that's the really important part is that it's actually moving. You're actually getting people in. Now, like I like to tell people and they they say, you know, well, um, they're like, you know, how could you just charge or raise prices on people just to raise prices? I'm like, well, you're just mad at it because you're in the unit, you're in the facility currently. But Bob, who needs a unit, doesn't think the $200 is highway robbery. In fact, to him, he's grateful to pay the $200. And we mm. just gave him the opportunity to get a unit, which he needs. By not changing price, what we're telling Bob is, Bob, you don't get to participate. You don't get a service. So it's like, we we just look at whoever's in the unit and say, if you don't want to pay what the market's paying, you don't have to. But we want to make sure that Bob also has the opportunity to buy and rent a moot unit. So you're not happy about it but the market wants it. So it's it's not that you're charging unreasonable anything else. In fact, it's perfectly reasonable. You're just not happy with it because you don't want to pay a higher. Well, of course, nobody does, right? Yeah, I wish I never had to pay higher amounts for anything ever. <laughs> yeah, but That would just be amazing. Yeah, but that's yeah. just not how the world works. So um, you get the people that complain a lot right at first. Um, but essentially what you're trying to do is you're trying to give a product to the market that it needs. So we don't want every tenant, right? And we tell this to our managers, to, uh, we don't want all the tenants. We want tenants that really see the demand or really see the value. They want our facility, our services that we offer and are willing to pay a certain price. And if there's tenants that pay $50, $100, $150, and $200, yeah, I want the 200 ones. I don't feel bad that the $50 ones are not happy because they wanted $50, I tell the managers, that's those aren't our tenants. We don't want those people, right? And what we generally find is the ones that are really price sensitive. So everybody, you probably know my three categories of tenants from the book. We have ones that are price sensitive, location sensitive, and then quality sensitive. The quality ones are the $200 and the location ones are the $200. The price sensitive ones are the ones that cause problems. That's almost universal. If, you, if we buy a facility that says we have the lowest price in town, Generally, delinquency is sky high. So they're the lowest price in town, and yet they have a 15 to 20% delinquency rate. The people that are in there don't even pay, and they're already the lowest in town, right? Those are also the people that caused us all the problems. Um, that's not our strategy. Now, that may be somebody else's strategy, and if that's yours, that's fine. 
That's not mine and not my business. I want the price sensitive people out. Like I literally want them to leave and we want new types of tenants. Just like if you were building a restaurant or if you were in any other business, what are you, right? Like, are you Walmart? Are you Fred Myers? Are you another, you know, a high-end or a low-end shop? Like there's different customers, different product types. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five-star restaurant or McDonald's. Like, Bingo. What do you I don't want to be McDonald's. Yeah. So, and the demand is out there for both. So don't feel bad that you're not, you know what I mean? That it's not pricing. And then when people say that, it's like, listen, I, I mean, you, you have the option. You can move, you can go. That's fine. Um, so this is a really important piece, especially in today's market because of COVID where we see super high vacancy uh, or super high occupancy. And we also have accelerating inflation. Um, There's a lot of opportunities out there because people haven't got caught up with it. I mean, our our average increase last year was over 40%. Which is crazy. I mean, compared to other years prior to that. Crazy. Yeah. And uh, this year will probably be the same. And so it's, uh, you know, it's something, guys, you can't miss out on. You got to do it. Do it with a spreadsheet, okay? Make sure you do your market surveys monthly, you or even hire it out, where you go to all the facilities, all the the unit sizes, you do price checking, and you look at your occupancy versus uh, real occupancy, physical versus um, economic occupancy, measure those things, make sure you don't have delinquents, and you're going to maximize the revenue of that facility. Every tenant has their own individual rate cycle. You lower the problems, the noise, you're always having movement, freeing up, moving these those street rates up, and you'll be accelerating your revenue. Hope that helps. 100%, man. Tons of good value in this episode. And uh, just so many questions being answered here. You know, how do you, how do you price stored units? How do you um, increase rates? How do you implement, you know, the value add strategy? What are some of the aspects of the value add strategy? I mean, so many questions that we get commonly answered right here in this podcast in like no time at all. Um, super good info. Love it. Um, that said, dude, anything exciting going on we need to let people know about? You know, guys, we've... Um... I'm trying to think. I mean, there's all kinds of content coming out on YouTube. We've got yeah, all kinds our of stuff. YouTube I mean, stuff, everything everything's that's coming just out blowing there. Up. Um, we have so much. We have we've hired on just amazing people yeah. that are helping us get all of this content um put together, put out. Um, you know, we have the inner circle that we're going really deep, especially on those rev- this revenue management stuff. Um, that's my mastermind, which you can find in the link below. Um, but we're expanding on all angles. We're, we've already got next year's, um, live event, live event scheduled. Yeah. It's on yeah. the books. So September, um, where it'll be rolling out here actually really soon Our pre rollout, which, uh, will fill up very fast, but, uh, stay tuned, go on my Instagram. You guys, you can find a lot of these offerings, things that we're, we're putting out as well as a lot of behind the scenes. Hey, thanks a bunch, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody.